Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. For the last time in the year 2021, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, it's time. The drippies are upon us once again. How are you feeling? I, I said we would be dressed in tuxedos. We're not, but... But we are drinking rum. We are drinking rum, <laughs> blended with a little Coca-Cola, so thanks to the good people at uh, Coca-Cola. No free ads, I suppose, but if they want to send us <laughs> some advertising money, I wouldn't say no. I thought we were going to say samples for a second. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really hard to come by Coca-Cola these days. <laughs> but no tuxedos aside, it is time for our full celebration of the year in Cinema Trip. And we started it last week with our shared, t- or no, not shared, our individual lists of the top five movies we reviewed here on the show in 2021. Christian, as you looked over our awards categories for this list, just in general, how did you feel? Were there some easy choices for you? Were there some hard choices for you to make? Um, I'm, I'm just curious, were, were you excited about this? How are you feeling? The screenplay category was difficult for me to choose nominees for. I want to say you made some egregious choices. <laughs> which I... Allowed. Of course I did. Of uh, course I did. I, 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 I'm, th- okay, look. But one hurts my soul that you did. You know which one. I had to put Michael Jordan in the best actor for his performance in Space Jam, Christian. I just had to. The other one I still don't understand. But we'll, we'll get there. Okay, we'll get there, Christian. Alright. So, as a quick reminder for the folks who missed it last year or who missed the, the quick rundown last week... Here in the Drippies, we like to celebrate the movies that we watched this last year and award them awards as if we were our own awards-giving body. So we will have awards for Best Lead and Supporting Actor and Actress. We'll have awards for Best Screenplay and Best Director. And we will finally crown our Best Picture winner for 2021. Christian, do you remember our Best Picture winner for last year? Absolutely, do the right thing. That is correct. A, a choice that has aged very well. Obviously, that movie is an all-timer. So, what do you mean aged very well? We did it a year ago. I, well, I know. I'm just saying. I, I feel good about that. Which, I mean, do the right thing. It's a movie from the '80s that has aged well in general. So, no, no need to throw even further praise upon it. But we'll get to add one more movie to the Cinema Drip Hall of Fame, our Best Picture for 2021. We're gonna have a good time. As Christian mentioned, we shared different categories, so each of us was in charge of the shortlist for a category, and then the other person chimed in, made some suggestions, or asked for their tastes to be represented, and we whittled it down to five nominees in every category except Best Picture. And so, from here, we will now be crowning the winners for each of these categories, and there are some arguments to ensue, I am sure. We'll also have a couple extra bonus categories mixed in just for a little bit of a palate cleanser. So... Christian, without further ado, are you ready to kick things off? Yes. Let's do it. So, we will be starting with one of your categories, Christian. And I will ask you just to read out the nominees, and then if you have any honorable mentions, you can mention those too. But that would be Best Supporting Actor. For Best Supporting Actor, the nominees are Coleman Domingo from Candyman, the 2021 version, Jason Miller for The Exorcist, Paul Lamont for American Graffiti, Edward Norton for Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, and David Harbour for Black Widow. Kicking things off with a bang, Christian. <laughs> David Harbour for Black Widow. All in all, I mean, I can't, I, I couldn't complain too much about this list. I, as I was looking over who I would have slotted in, there definitely were some differences, but we have a good batch of nominees here. 
even if the year 2021 is pretty well represented with both Coleman Domingo and David Harbour. So just quickly, what, what informed your choices for these five performances? What, what stuck with them? Or what from these performances stuck with you? Left on him. Well, okay. What from these performances? Did you have screen time to the point where afterwards I was like, I remember when this person was doing this. All five of these did. I mean, Edward Norton is basically in the entire movie. And uh, on, phen phenomenal in his supporting role. Coleman Domingo, chilling, honestly, in his position in Candyman. And very different in terms of screen time. Like, he only has probably 10, 15 minutes compared to Norton, who's in probably a full hour of Birdman. Jason, uh, Jason Miller, who is doing all in this interesting subdued... Uh, and yet also at times explosive. He's really, he's got range in this, in, in The Exorcist. And I was gonna, I was gonna slot him in for Best Lead Actor, and I was gonna fight with you about how we categorize him, but he was nominated for the Best Supporting As Actor Oscar. So, it made sense to include him on this category as well, if you were, you know, if you had the same question. David Harbour, funny. <laughs> I remembered every time he was on screen. I mean... Uh, you you did not dislike David Harbour. Oh, absolutely not. And I mean, it's when it comes down to awards like this or picking your favorites of the year, there are obviously, I mean, I'm the kind of person who I find more things that I like in any given year than I dislike. And so it's not about awarding, it's not about ripping on things. It's just about finding the best of those things. And so for me, Harbour probably wasn't one of the five best male supporting performances we watched this year, but well, I'll pick my battles, you know, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul Lamont, the thing was, in American Graffiti as a hangout movie, Paul Lamont was the guy I wanted to hang out with the most. So, those are my five nominees. This is this is what I want to do. Is there a name that sticks out to you? Because there, there isn't really a name that sticks out to me. Well, maybe there's two that I'm between, but... This, so this is a little bit tough, because for these five movies, I saw Black Widow twice, obviously, and... I've returned to Birdman. It's a movie that I was able to rewatch, and so I want to be aware of my own, maybe my own bias a little bit, and just, I have more familiarity with these performances. I, I've seen them at least twice. Um, and so, for me personally, someone like Paul Lamont in American Graffiti, I remember enjoying, because I loved that movie, but that cast worked pretty well together, and he doesn't really have a standout moment for me, except for maybe, you know, the ending. Um, and so when I was thinking about the, the names that really jumped off the page of me, it was Jason Miller, The Exorcist, and Everett Norton. What about you? I was also, I mean, I was kind of thinking Coleman Domingo and Jason Miller. Interesting. I'm surprised that you went away from Norton because your love of Birdman is so intense. And I'm sure it will come into play in other categories, but... I, I love Edward Norton in Birdman, absolutely. So I guess I guess the the thing that we're doing here is who left the biggest mark on us and look Edward Norton leaves an incredible mark on me in, in in every single category like he Edward Norton can win everything for me best leading actor for the Illusionist coming up I'm sure hundred <laughs> percent now hmm, 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 I will be Illusionist <laughs> truly the worst movie I saw this year now uh, the okay okay. Jason Miller is showing, I think, the most range. Yeah, and, and in terms of comparing him towards Coleman Domingo, I think Domingo is incredibly memorable in his role in Candyman, but I, I, I just, I guess I don't know if I would 
give him the award here because although he is memorable, I, I felt that The Exorcist was a stronger movie. Miller had more screen time, and like you said, he had more range, had to show show more, had to do more in that movie. And the crisis of faith that he experiences, uh, and then of course he is forced into this battle against evil by the you know the final act of Azuzu. Azuzu, <laughs> yes. Um, who could forget? I, I just think that that is one of the best performances that we watched this year, seeing, and there are little, like, you know, bits and bobs of that movie that have stayed with me throughout this year, and partly based because of his performance. Now, again, Edward Norton in Birdman, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and, and I think that the, how he is really able to channel, I think, the meta-nature of knowing who he is as a, a, a tabloid said difficult actor to work with, yeah. and presenting that on screen, um, and also get some of the best lines in Birdman. Absolutely. I here okay, I'm gonna leave this one up to you because whether it's Jason Miller or Edward Norton, I'll be happy. We both had Jason Miller as someone that we <clears throat> I mean, you had Coleman Domingo and Jason Miller, I had Jason Miller and Edward Norton. So it seems to make sense here. We both feel good about Jason Miller. Okay. It seems like we could crown him our best supporting actor of 2021. Going all the way back to January for our Best of 73, Blend of the Month, when we looked at The Exorcist. If you want to hear more of our conversation about Jason Miller and his uh, performance, do check out that episode from the beginning of this year. So we now move on, Christian, to Best Supporting Actress. I was in charge of this one. I want to throw a couple quick honorable mentions to Carrie Ann Moss from Memento. Again, someone who is very memorable in that movie. Just a few others that uh, I liked a bit more. And from the sounds of it, you did too, as you didn't really fight me on that. And then, of course, Kathleen Turner for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> we had one of the strangest conversations of the year about the role of Jessica Rabbit on this show. <laughs> and so I wanted to make sure that's, okay, to that's, show her some love. <laughs> that's an argument that you won. I, I'm going to... You... Wow. Yeah, you fought for Jessica Rabbit's place and position, and I, I think that you, you, you brought the evidence needed. Why, thank you, Christian. May it be known that Scott Lentz went to battle for Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> but our official five nominees are Linda Blair for The Exorcist, Lupita Nyong'o for 12 Years a Slave, Yo Jung Cho for Parasite, Rita Moreno for West Side Story, and Lorraine Toussaint for Fast Color. Okay, there's, um, I'm sorry, I have one. There's one, in, okay. Tell me how you went about picking your nominees, but I, I, I have one. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I, again, was thinking about the five most memorable performances from, from this year, and I think it, what was hard for me was some of my favorite movies all were concentrated in blend. So uh, as you can see, Lupita Nyong'o and Yo Jung Cho are both here from our Best Picture winners of the 2010s. We have 12 Years a Slave and Parasite represented. And Parasite is a hard movie to pick a real standout from because, again, that's just a, an excellent ensemble. But Yo Jung Cho playing Mrs. Park is so funny to me and perfectly understands the essence of that character. And, and so that's why I leaned her way. Uh, Rita Moreno, I know, an all-time Hollywood classic performance winning an Oscar herself there for West Side Story. But she is simply one of the best parts of that movie. And thankfully, with her casting, is one of the parts that actually aged well. Although I know there's... There's still a little bit of controversy uh, in terms of ethnicities and home countries and, and all that, but we didn't need to get into it. Um, Lorraine Toussaint, I remember just being really blown away by in terms of fast color. Um, she's not someone who I was very familiar with, but uh, bringing in that, not just that motherly gravitas when needed or grandmotherly gravitas, but also uh, a, a real history of pain uh, in terms of how her 
family had been marginalized and, and how she had learned to use and teach these gifts to her daughter and, and granddaughter. So she really did stand out for, to me from that movie. Lupita Nyong'o, just incredible in 12 Years a Slave, again, an Oscar-winning performance, and Linda Blair in The Exorcist, <laughs> our young possessed Reagan, one of the most iconic horror movie performances ever, and at, at such a young age, and so she had to make the list for me. But who did I miss? You didn't miss anyone. I'm saying that there's a winner. Oh, there's a winner. I thought you were going to tell me somebody that I miss. Okay. So, Christian, who's the clear-cut winner for you? It's Rita Moreno. I'm, 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 I'm a fight for her. Okay, look, she, in a musical, there's a lot of splashes of color and there's a lot of dancing and there's a lot of singing. Sure. And it's like moving, the camera is guiding you to move alongside this ensemble. That being said, whenever Rita Moreno was on screen, my eyes were poised to see where she was going, how she was dancing, what her face was doing more so than the ensemble. So the, the, uh, I was hoping for a cliche or a turn of phrase to come to mind, and it didn't. But really, the, the standout among that very packed film in terms of actors, dancers, etc. Yes. See, I'm torn here, because although I think Rita Moreno is obviously quite good, and I'm not going to come in with a hot take <laughs> about Rita Moreno at West Side Story, I think the clear-cut winner for me is actually Lupita Nyong'o in 12 Years a Slave. So We to... have Best Supporting Actress winner versus Best Supporting Actress winner. Exactly. And I think... For me, uh, obviously, that is a movie that I have an immense uh, amount of respect and admiration for. And her performance is so crucial to that movie's success in, in that it's her debut film performance. And she is bringing to life this, this character who, you know, it's been said that a lot of lauded performances from African or African-American actors in Hollywood cinema come playing servants or slaves or... Um, you know, people in, in that role, in these sort of historical dramas, that's how black actors get praised. And so it's certainly something to interrogate and wonder, you know, <clears throat> should, you know, can we continue to create roles for people that aren't these kinds of historical dramas? But even so, with that in mind, it, it seems like this role that she completely, fully embodied and brought an immense amount of humanity to, uh, to Patsy, this character who endures uh, just horrific injustice upon horrific injustice and her her it, it's a bit sad to say because you know unfortunately i think this is part of why these characters live on in, in okay. Hollywood's memory but, but her like, crying anita, face yes. is what stuck with me but anita is who brings the climax of the movie it is her anger that causes basically the entirety of the movie to resolve in the way that it does and you recognize where her anger is coming from i mean I'm not going to complain, but I guess you might have... I mean, I maybe I need to touch up the details of the narrative of West Side Story. I haven't gotten to see the Steven Spielberg version yet to jog my memory, but uh, even so, I mean, they're, they're not barreling towards a collision because of the, the Romeo and Juliet at the center? Okay, yes, but when she goes into Doc's store and something happens to her and she makes right. a decision, it is that decision that destroys everything and it's based on your believability that she makes a decision that she does okay a fair point for sure and I, again i'm torn because i think that again in terms of how many times have i seen these movies 12 years a slave is a movie that i have seen multiple times at this point and have a little more familiarity with and also a kind of movie that increased the moment and upon my rewatch and so there's a little bit more that has lived in my brain <laughs> and so it's hard to um, 
to separate my, or not separate, but hard to drop my my love for Lupita's performance. But um, again, no huge complaints in terms of awarding Rita Moreno. And I do see what you're saying, where she has that uh, the crux of the narrative too, which uh, Patsy certainly is narratively important to yes. as a slave. But uh, I do see what you're saying there, and we have a lot of categories to get to. <laughs> so I think in this circumstance, I would be perfectly fine. Sticking with the Academy yes. <laughs> and awarding our Best Supporting Actress award to Rita Moreno. Okay. So now we, we're, we're going into what were our favorite blends of the year. Yes, our first palate cleanser. We did this last year. Just reflecting on our personal favorite blends could be, you know, for some silly reason because we liked the discussing the topic or for a serious reason, you know, most uh, high-quality movies from the three featured. So, Christian, for you, what was the standout blend of 2021? The standout for me was 1973, the one that kicked it off. And, and back in January. Back in January, and the reason for it is, it was the blend, it, it was very diverse. Like, the three movies we had were of different genres and were doing different things. And, and, and the one that was most, this is an era of movies I am not the most familiar with, and it is doing things in each one that I'm interested in. And so that was kind of the blend that made me think, oh, I need, a, I need to go watch more movies. Like, I need to go watch more movies from these different time zones because they're doing cool stuff in horror. They are doing cool stuff in action. They are doing cool stuff in hanging out and driving around and ensemble pieces that I would benefit from. Yeah, I mean, you, you picked some great movies for that year. I mean, some of the most important, most influential, for sure, being Enter the Dragon, The Exorcist, and American Graffiti, all three of which have descendants in Hollywood history. And so The Exorcist kicks off essentially modern horror. <laughs> American Graffiti inspires people like Richard Linklater, who's creating movies like that in starting in the 80s and into the 90s. And um, Enter the Dragon, obviously, this hugely influential martial arts movie that kicks off, uh, maybe didn't kick off the craze, but it was a key part uh, in you know, Hollywood's obsession with kung fu movies. And so definitely a great way to kick off the year. And uh, we looked at three really good, really fun movies, and we... I know we um, differed in some ways on Into the Dragon, but both felt pretty strongly about The Exorcist and about American Graffiti. So, no complaints here. Kicked off the year with a bang, and I hope that <laughs> you didn't think that the year went kind of on a downward trend since then, <laughs> but definitely a great way to kick off the year. Anything else you wanted to add about 1973? No, I'm good. I was torn in terms of my favorite blend of the year, because I had two where all three movies were bangers for me, and so... Uh, I was torn between our 2010's Best Picture Winners Blend of the Month and our Denis Villeneuve Blend of the Month. And I understand why you weren't a huge fan of the Denis Villeneuve Blend of the Month upon reflection, because Dune was a massive letdown for you, whereas it was an enormous win for me. And uh, as I'm making you know, my initial lists for favorites of the year, it's certainly one that constantly figures into uh, those at the top of the list. So I will save my, my Dune energy for later. And I think if I ultimately had to pick, it would be Best Picture winners, just because looking at those movies, those being Birdman, Parasite, and 12 Years a Slave, it's two movies that are just flat-out masterpieces for me in 12 Years a Slave and Parasite, movies that I have returned to multiple times that I think so highly of, and that I, I guess Parasite will look forward to watching and <laughs> rewatching over Parasite the years. Parasite is so rewatchable. It is so rewatchable. And 12 Years a Slave is not as rewatchable because of its subject matter, but again, the kind of movie that I hope to return to every so often and, and be reminded of its its power. And the Oscars and the Best Picture Award is, is so constantly debated and people always complain because of the choices and 
Of course, there are some stinkers that have won the Best Picture Oscar. There are some at least criticized choices over the years. Best of the year getting left off the nominations, but for those three in particular. I think 12 Years a Slave and Parasite were, I mean, flat out the best movies of that year. And although my estimation of Birdman did decrease a little, it's still a movie that I love quite a bit, and I know you do as well. And so just a really fun blend looking at three of probably the best uh, that the Academy has ever given the award to, at least in recent memory. So I, I'm going to have to go that way. Sorry to Denis, love that month too. But uh, yeah, Best Picture Winners was was my favorite blend. Let's let's go on. We're on Best Actor now. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Best Actor, by the way, y'all listening at home, we're drinking, so you might hear ice in glasses. <laughs> we're adults. <laughs> I know. This, the, the mic that we have is, you're so good, Mike. We appreciate you. But I know that like, I, every time my you're too good. ice cubes, <laughs> yeah, every time my ice cubes clink around, I wince a little bit. So best actor was my category. So Christian, I have a little bit of a surprise for you. I just saw it. Ah, rats. <laughs> so Christian and I were debating almost up to the beginning of the show about one of my nominees. And so I did have Bruce Lee on this list for his performance in Enter the Dragon and he was moved to the honorable mentions category for one that I believe Christian will be more in favor of. Uh, a couple other honorable mentions for me. Firstly, just on Bruce Lee. I mean, his uh, the martial arts and the stunt work that he brings to that movie is out of this world. It's why you should go watch Enter the Dragon. He was an incredible performer, and I can't wait to watch more Bruce Lee movies moving forward. Also wanted to mention Guy Pierce in Memento bringing uh, Leonard, this uh, guy with a very serious case of interrogate amnesia, to life. And being able to play that character, I think, was pretty impressive. And just in terms of having someone who is not forming the memories, that's a complicated um, trait to bring to life in, in an acting performance. And lastly, Anthony Ramos in In the Heights. Um, definitely a movie that we both enjoyed, both liked. And he, I, I wish he was on screen so much more as one of the main characters of that movie, as Usnavi. He's just a blast to watch. And again, I hope we get more Anthony Ramos movies in the future. So our official five nominees for the Best Actor Award. One that we swapped out Bruce Lee for and that Christian is happy about. Christian Bale in The Prestige, often stated as one of Christian's two dads. Bob Hoskins for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Chiwetel Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave. Christian's other dad, Michael Keaton for Birdman. And Edward James Olmos for Zoot Suit. So again, this was a tough category for me. As you can see, I had three honorable mentions. This was so good. They we, were so good. There, there really were a ton of great lead performances that we got to watch this year. And part of that is in the movies that you're selecting, of course. You're often drawn to actors when we're putting together these blends of the month. But um, even in The Prestige, I had Hugh Jackman on my shortlist as well. I like his performance in that movie quite a bit. And I think I agree with you that Bale's the more impressive performance, bringing this dual role to life. But... I mean, even so, Bob Hoskins not really gone down in the annals of history as one of the greatest film performances of all time in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but he was on the vanguard of acting across of people and characters who weren't there, <laughs> having to act across of these animated characters, and that is so impressive to me. And um, I, I saw a behind-the-scenes little vignette from his the Toontown sequence when he goes to visit Toontown as one of the... It's, the sequence in the movie that is completely animated except for him as opposed to the other way around where it's normally animated characters in the real world. And it's just crazy, the performance that he's giving to nothing. <laughs> just on a soundstage with the crew around and nothing there. Obviously, they're giving him some visual prompts and things like that, but really an impressive performance and one that has, again, had descendants and lived on. It's nowadays we have so many CGI characters or actors in motion capture suits, and so 
he is sort of on the vanguard of that as well. And so, I mean, even in a, a more niche thing like that, I, I mean, you got Chiwetel Ejiofor, who was Best Actor nominated, Michael Keaton, who was Best Actor nominated, and Edward James Olmos, who is one of the biggest finds for me of this year, as Zoot Suit was probably the least known, least popular movie we discussed, except maybe Fast Color, which is more recent, so that's why it would probably be a little better known. And almost is just incredible in Zoot Suit. And he's someone who you'll recognize his face because he's been around for a long time, but just a phenomenal performance in that movie. So anywhere anywhere that your mind takes you, Christian, I know you got Bale and Keaton, who are your two dads, of course. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not sure how you're going to try to choose away from them, but anything else for you that, that stands out with these five performances? Edward James almost stole his movie. Let's get that Let's let's get that right. And she would tell Echia for... Is phenomenal in, in in physicality more so than than in anything else. I'm, oh my goodness, I am good with four out of five of these. <laughs> who who is the odd man out? Bob Hoskins. Oh, I don't. Sure. Okay, I liked it. Have a heart. I don't. I don't think he compares to the other four. I just. I guess what do you look for from an acting performance? It's different for people, even if, I mean, we can all recognize some of the similarities in terms of talent and, and comedy, if that's what the performance calls for, or pathos, and, you know, whatever you're looking for. But I think the degree of difficulty there is what stands out most to me, where he's not going to run away with the award, so I agree with you there. But um, I, I wouldn't say he necessarily pales in comparison to some of the others here, because I, I do think it's a legitimately good performance, and one that has lived on and aged well in comparison to some of the other movies in, in that blend of the month, um, that being our live action and animated blend, even some of the more recent movies uh, where he continues to stand out, uh, although he was in the, the oldest movie. But I would be okay setting Hoskins aside, Christian. So you have the other four, and I, I am curious where your thinking is going, because as I look at that list, I don't know what to say either. <laughs> and I'm kind of inclined towards... Uh, one of your two dads, and I'm curious to see which one maybe would get the edge for you. Okay. I think Keaton takes the edge over Bale. That's what I was going to say. I would say that Edward James Olmos is also right there. I'm... That's... That's where my head is at. Where's your head at? I... It's... It is very hard, because I don't want to forget about... Uh, obviously, 12 Years a Slave, another movie that has come up for me, and just, again, a very, very impressive performance at the center of that movie. I think Keaton and Almost are the two finalists for me as well. Keaton, because we both love him so much, and he is one of those aspects of Birdman that did not age for me, where I was still an enormous fan of his performance. And Almost, I, I feel a bit of sentimentality over because he was this discovery where I was familiar with him, but not the movie. And so, Seeing him in more of a leading role when I was used to him in supporting roles, again, he just blew me out of the water. And so I'm a little bit torn on where we go. And so after we argue a little bit on the first two categories, it seems like we're both <laughs> in a similar <clears throat> conundrum here <laughs> in terms of trying to pick the, the best award winner. Okay, so you you, you gave me Rita Moreno. It, I will give you whoever you choose. Oh, how interesting. This is such a cordial... <laughs> award-giving episode. I feel like last year there were so many more arguments. But this year, we're working together a little bit more. So, I'm torn, Christian, because I want to give us credit, and more specifically give you credit, for programming our Hispanic Musicals Blend of the Month, which is where we found Zoot Suit and Edward James Olmos. 
but I know we both love Michael Keaton. And so I'm trying to weigh things over. And I think, you know what, Christian? We're going to do it. We're going to send it. We're going to be like the Academy and screw over Michael Keaton. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes, you have some hesitancy. But I am leaning almost because he really, I just completely grabs the camera's eye. He's what you walk out of that movie thinking about. And the only thing that really might detract from it, honestly, is that Zoot Suit is this half performance of the stage play and movie. It's a little bit of a hybrid situation. and so Which I loved. Yes, I, I did too. <clears throat> so, so. But you can't quibble about is, is almost kind of creating this performance out of whole cloth or... Is it is it just his? Yeah, but we're not going to quibble. We're just going to be happy that Edward James almost won. Okay, uh, Edward James almost our winner for Zoot Suit. Uh, definitely a movie that I would recommend if you missed that episode and you're looking for something intriguing to watch. I would absolutely recommend that you check it out. It's one of the coolest movies um, that we got to see for the show this year, and obviously we are trying either classics movies like Parasite, <laughs> everybody loves, or new releases, but. We're trying to make discoveries where we can. So something like Zoot Suit is one of the most fun episodes we got to do of this show because it's something that was a little bit lost to... I mean, not lost, lost, but a little bit lost to Hollywood history. Not a movie that people talk about much anymore, but in the wake of In the Heights and West Side Story, it just made sense to look at it, and I'm so glad that we did. Okay. Best actors. Dads, I'm sorry. Best actress. <laughs> this is the one that I um, that I chose nominees for. Guguma Bathara for Fast Color, Amy Adams for Arrival, Ellen Burstyn for The Exorcist, Lubna Azabel for Ansandi, and Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl. Another excellent category, Christian. I'm glad that your uh, dislike for Guguma Bathara and her character in Loki did not extend to the She awards. was wonderful in Fast Color. <laughs> yes, of course. Definitely <clears throat> a more interesting character. Uh, no offense to Marvel, of course, but... Morrison character, a great performance there. Uh, again, what else went into was going through your mind when you were picking these nominees? It, it it's, it, I mean, it's always we've already said this. Who's memorable? But but here, these were five performances who, kind of, made me be on their side. Uh, well, okay, Rosamund Pike is difficult <laughs> to say that for. I was gonna say, that's pretty impressive in her uh, her regard. But I was kind of rooting to see what Rosamund Pike, what what she was going to do next. What amazing Amy was was up to. Okay. I think that there is a clear winner. <laughs> Again, one where you think there's a clear winner. Okay. I do. Okay. Looking at this list, I know there are a lot of performances that we enjoy. I have no I think problems. it's Lubna Azabel. You do? Yes. I thought you were going to say Amy Adams for Arrival. Because that's what I would say looking at this list. So, looks like we're having a bit of a disagreement once again. Christian, why does Lubna Azabal stand out to you? Yoshi was amazing because you see her young, you see her old, you see her go through the most traumatic experience from seeing the man that she loved get shot. And that's just the beginning of the movie. Like almost exactly. <laughs> 15 minutes in. It, 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 it's this... She, there's something about her eyes that I very much remember. It's these eyes that are trying to convey, that are conveying terror, but also conveying hope. And up until the very last moment that she is on screen, it's not just that I'm rooting for her. 
to do well. It's not just that I'm caring about her and what she's gone through. It's that, man, you believe every single thing of what it took for her to raise her family, what it took for her to search for her missing son, for her to finally confront, um, a, let's just say, a perpetrator at the end. And it's like the entire movie hinged on her performance and hinged on the revelations that she made. And she pulled that off. Anson D is definitely not just, I mean, it's a movie that we both loved. And its strength is not just in the performances, but also it is a very well-written yes. movie. Although we did discuss how you could go either way with some of the twists and turns of the plot. Uh, I land on the side of it being a well-written movie, and especially in um, Nawal's character growth. Like you said, the way that she goes from, uh, I wouldn't say innocent woman, but certainly a small town, a little bit sheltered. She gets pushed out into the world violently, and she goes on a journey, and you believe it every step of the way. There's not a single moment where there's a leap in growth or character development or logic where you're not buying into where she's taking this character, plus where this script is taking the character. I think it's a, again, you know, we're, we're watching movies, not performance art or, <laughs> or theater. It's a beautiful synthesis of movie making and, uh, you know, an actor's performance. I'm, and I'm torn because Amy Adams is just the, the centerpiece of Arrival. So again, another Denis Villeneuve movie, but she is what that movie hinges on. And if there is any weaker a performance at the center of that movie, for all of its strengths, it's just simply not as good. And she gives one of the best performances of her career, which is absolutely loaded with great performances. And again, you're talking about a character who's going on a journey, and yet she is somehow not just taking her character on a journey, but doing it cyclically, based on how that movie goes. And it's the kind of movie that means one thing to you upon first watch and a different thing to you upon a rewatch. And I remember coming away from it just freshly impressed by how excellent she is in that movie. So we're now again at a crossroads where we have these two great performances at the center of Villeneuve movies, and I'm not sure which way to go. So here's the thing. Uh, I'm good with either one. I will, I, and, and, and thankfully that's been the case. There, there hasn't been one where you're like, I don't know, who's, you're not like nominating Colin Jost, you know, this isn't... <laughs> Truly, truly a completely memorable for his supporting role in Tom I, and Jerry. I remember him in Tom and Jerry. Is I remember that memorable? Him. I remember <laughs> him being there. <laughs> he was in the cast. Okay. The, okay. I will say in terms... These are both Denis Villeneuve-directed movies. I think Ansandi hinges more on the performance performance because the road to discovery is about the mother is about Nawal whereas in Arrival the road to discovery is about the aliens I I don't know if that means anything to you <laughs> I understand what you're saying but uh, and again this doesn't this is not necessarily a good barometer for assessing a good performance but even as we're trying to parse out what what would differentiate these two in terms of their importance to the movie I think Ansandi relies on this trio where you have Nawal, and we're watching her journey, but also her children's journey. I disagree with you slightly, not that the children were not good, and not that the children were not important to the plot, but the children are there to help bring out the best in the mother. 
In that you mean they are their journey in the movie is more about learning mm-hmm. her past. Yes. Okay. See what you're saying. Uh, the the counterpoint I was going to make is that Arrival a bit differently is about Amy Adams' character and the journey that she goes on. I w- I wouldn't say it's about the aliens necessarily, although certainly there are some grander sci-fi ambitions and humanity and there and how we relate to one another and trying to make some assessments about how we could move forward as a species, that all is, is there. And so it's not like uh, just a pure character study. <laughs> but I, I'm, I am torn because I think my sympathies do still lie with Amy Adams for, for her role in Arrival. And with, again, no offense towards Lubna as a ball at all, because Ansandi, again, a movie that I saw for the first time and loved as part of this Blend of the Month, as, as challenging a watch as it could be. Let, 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 let's go with Amy Adams, then. We're going to go with Amy Adams? We're going to go with Amy Adams. <laughs> All right. There we go. We're, we're just we're getting along like old buddies, which I guess that's exactly what we are, Christian. But uh, <laughs> we'll go with Amy Adams we've there. we've known each other for five years. I know. Um, just a, a couple quick thoughts, then. Um, we didn't really say anything about Ellen Burstyn, unfortunately. So we just want to quickly touch on her and why she made the list for you. She's a, she's a mom whose daughter has a demon. No, and she's great in that. <laughs> she's like, where's the doctor? Where's the exorcist? You know. <laughs> Truly an awards-worthy performance. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 no, it, it's um, her sense of urgency, especially since, I think by, I don't know if Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore came out to, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore is what she, what she won her Oscar for. I don't, I think that might be two years later. But she is definitely showing this sense of, when she rushes, you want to rush with her. I don't know what best word to say this, but what is important to her becomes important to you. And, and that is definitely something that you can't say about every actress. Yeah, in, in a horror movie, obviously horror movies are often criticized for their acting when someone is just told to when to scream and how loud to scream. And she's giving a much deeper, richer performance than that. So again, The Exorcist, uh, two, three great performances uh, at the center of that movie, plus Max von Sydow coming in um, at the very beginning and then near the end, also uh, a much-loved performer there. So now, Christian, another palate cleanser for us. Like we did last year, we're going to look at some ideas for future blends, things that could inform a, a different month here on the show. Last year, I know for me, I chose Time Loop movies, and you chose Bradley Cooper movies. I'm waiting for Bradley Cooper's Leonard Bernstein biopic. Okay, there you go. Still got it. Still got it tucked away. I like yeah. it. So that one will be fun, I think. He, I mean, he he is such a fun performer to watch. And uh, I know while we disagreed a little bit on Licorice Pizza as a movie, which we got to see, which is awesome, I know that we both enjoyed his performance in that movie. So I look forward to a future Bradley Cooper blend of the month. Maybe we'll do a Time Loop movies blend too. I still like that idea. It just didn't really come up this year. So we'll see. We'll keep that in the back pocket. But Christian, looking back upon this year, what is one idea you would like to take and use in the future? Be it next year or... Uh, longer out, like this, we're waiting on this Bernstein movie. Uh, Apocalypse movies. And that came from a couple of different things. Sure, partially inspired by Dune, partially inspired by Arrival, but also inspired by Deep Impact. And the reason for that is Deep Impact is definitely not one of my favorite movies that I saw this year. However, the concept is there. The concept has stuff in it. Watching people shoot off to destroy an asteroid is fascinating. 
watching aliens land on Earth is fascinating. Being in different planets that are at war is fascinating. Like, what does it mean for the end of the war world to come? However, um, I don't think any of the three movies arrival to an extent. But none of the three movies really got into how deep you can do Apocalypse. So I'm thinking maybe in the future we, we, we head into that. I just I found it interesting that that is where you what you took from a few of those movies. Dune especially, I would not like classify as an apocalypse movie, but I somewhat understand yeah. what you're getting at. Uh, Deep Impact definitely. <laughs> and, uh, did you ever get around to watching Armageddon like I told you to do? <laughs> no. Did you ever get around to all those 2021 movies I've seen that you haven't? Hey, that's a very different category. You, we are fitting these movies in, and I again resent uh, <laughs> your I'm a free time compared to mine. Even so, uh, apocalypse movies could be fun, and there are so many directions that we could take that. <laughs> Whether we go with sci-fi, fantasy, maybe just straight action, or something like Deep Impact, a little more deep impact, a little more dramatic of a take on the apocalypse. Tons of options out there. Uh, for me, again, I couldn't commit to one, so I had to I had to kind of give two. Uh, just thinking about some of the horror movies that we watched this year, being The Exorcist, the original Blair Witch Project, the original Halloween, I, there was a lot of great horror movies that we looked at. And so I think looking at classic horror could be another fun blend of the month. And whether that would be picking a subgenre of horror, like maybe say slasher movies and watching some core texts of the slasher genre, or something like The Exorcist, looking at some older horror movies, movies that were part of the, you know, the, the parentage of the horror movies that we would get into the 80s and 90s and, and further down, I think that could be a really fun blend. As well as neo-noir, which is definitely a genre that I am, am maybe more of a fan of than some, but something like Reminiscence is a movie that I enjoyed a lot more than most people who saw it this year because I loved that neo-noir flavoring that it brought. And there are a ton of great op options for neo-noirs, whether it's something like Drive, which is uh, the Ryan Gosling movie, which is, you know, contemporary, modern, but has a noir styling, or something like L.A. Confidential, that is a, you know, 90s movie, but detective stories set in, you know, for the 40s, Los Angeles, kind of that more, that hard-boiled, typeless story. Uh, and and neo-noir has gone in a number of different directions, and there's tons of great options. And so I love looking at the stories. Reminiscence got me thinking, and uh, definitely think that it could be a fun one to look at in the future. Okay. Best screenplay. So again, Christian, this was your category. Go ahead and read off the nominees. On Sandy, Denis Villeneuve and Valérie Beaugrand-Champagne were the writers. Memento, written by Christopher Nolan. Gone Girl, written by Gillian Flynn. Parasite, written by Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-won. Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, written by Alejandro gonzalez Iñárritu, Nicolas Giacoboni, Alexander Dinalares Jr., and Armando Bo. How many Oscars happened uh, for, for these movies? Was it two? Yeah, Birdman and Parasite. Birdman and Parasite won. Memento was nominated. Memento was nominated. Right. Uh, yes, and then On Sunday and Gone Girl were phenomenal screenplays. Now, agreed. How did I choose these nominees? Did the beginning make sense at the end? Were we barreling towards something? Was the plot thread there? And are the characters memorable? And I think that is true for all five of these. So, um, okay. I'm um, start saying stuff. <laughs> 
So we got to get the argument out of the way first, where in our review of Birdman, I said that the problems that I had with that movie came from the screenplay and yeah. some, some elements of it that did not age well for me or things that I maybe didn't even uh, pick up on when I saw it the first time that meant something to me now. So the critic character in Birdman, I think, is pretty loathsome and uh, a little bit lame. Uh, to have even included in the movie. And I think there are a few other aspects, like Edward Norton's character, as memorable and uh, funny as he can be, also has a couple moments of uh, mistreating the women in the movie that I don't think... Obviously, you can include something like that in your movie, and but I think that that was included a little bit carelessly. So, Birdman, for me, I, I would not want to give the award to. And I know... And I, I want to ask, because I know how much that movie means to you. Is that your frontrunner in this category? I mean, okay, that's like asking, yeah, okay, look, I always want Birdman to win. <laughs> this isn't like a, but sure, the screenplay wasn't working for you. We have some other options. Uh, yes, that we do. And again, I'm with you in that all of these are quite good. And even so with Birdman, I, ha I have some like quibbles with the screenplay. It's scenes that don't work for me or, or you know minor characters that don't work but even so it's it's not a screenplay that i think is an outright failure um and i mean on sunday we talked about it just an incredible journey for this character looking back at her life and then seeing the effects it has on her children in the present day memento launching christopher nolan onto the hollywood scene just incredibly well written not just conceptually managing to fit all of that together with these two alternating narratives, but also creating these memorable characters, be it Leonard at the center or the people who went into him and tried to use and abuse him. Uh, Gone Girl, again, another uh, triumph of adaptation and, and Gillian Flynn adapting her own novel and creating these, uh, again, this, this excellent Amy character at the center. And the reveal that she gets, uh, what, what is it, 45 minutes or an hour into that movie, <laughs> it's just, and her reflections on the preceding Events uh, to that time is just immensely satisfying. And I think that movie goes some interesting places and has some lines that have lived in my mind. So Parasite then, it just, it, it's a masterpiece, might be a perfect movie. And the screenplay is a huge key to that. Not just, again, creating these lovable, memorable characters who interact and, and, and you know, relate in different ways, but also weaving in the, the commentary and the themes that Bong Joon-ho is getting at. And Han Jin-won, of course, as his co-writer. And so... I don't quite know where to go. <laughs> sort of like you, pre previously in other categories. I, I have four Memento. out of five. <laughs> okay. So, I, I just talked for a while. Why, why do you jump to Memento? Because Memento, you notice the structure from the beginning. Like, it's a screenplay that makes you notice it. And some people don't like that, but this one is using it for a purpose. Um, it's not... I wouldn't give it to Aung San Di because Aung San Di kind of relies on that one twist. Which is done very well. But it relies on that one twist. Gone Girl has a twist 45 minutes into the movie and then afterwards keeps going and does so very, very well, but I think not to the extent that alternating timelines do it in Memento. Parasite also has a twist um, in the house. And now, beautifully done and sets up the characters very well, the only thing is, is that Memento is like goes 0 to 60 in the first minute, whereas the other people are still setting up, whereas Memento says the screenplay is the setup. Yeah, I mean, you, and Memento has a twist, too. <laughs> a lot of these movies involve yeah. twists, of course, which, obviously, you don't need to have a great screenplay, 
But when you can pull it off, and it, it doesn't necessarily limit your view of the movie on a rewatch, where it's not just shock value that it's skating by on, but it actually means something to the narrative, which the twist in Memento absolutely does. And if you're unfamiliar with what happens at the end, again, I'm not going to come close to spoiling it. You should definitely go check it out and then listen to our episode. But the the twist ending in Memento, again, rewards rewatches. And if that's if that's your style, and adds to the the themes that Nolan's playing with. And I think a lot of, you know, often we think of him as just this big budget filmmaker making these grandiose action blockbusters. But he, he has themes that he riffs on, things that he cares about. And Memento is one of his smartest screenplays, I think. And I do want to ask before we move on completely, did he co-write that with his brother? No, just him. His his brother wrote the short story that the movie was based on. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, even adapting his his brother's work uh, just does it brilliantly and, and makes an incredible cinematic experience from that short story. So I'm perfectly fine giving it to our guy, Chris Nolan, for Memento. Is that what you mean? Yeah. We did it. Best director. Moving on to best director. Another one that you had some uh, some complaints. No, because you did this to hurt me. <laughs> a little bit I did. So, my uh, category that I was in charge of best director. Quick honorable mentions here. Denis Villeneuve for Arrival. Uh, he may or may not factor into this list once we get into the actual nominees. Uh, John Carpenter for Halloween. a One of my favorite directorial performances, but I know it's a movie that did not work for you, and so I just didn't want to get into that, and we'll keep it in the honorable mentions. Luis Valdez for Zoot Suit, uh, we talked about that movie quite a bit already, just adapting his own stage play as um, the director of the film as well. Very, very um, solid work. Uh, David Fincher then for Gone, Co- Gone Girl, just a movie that was on the shortlist and it couldn't include it in the nominees. Fincher is great, so yay, David Fincher. My official five nominees were William Friedkin for The Exorcist, Robert Zemeckis for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, and Denis Villeneuve for Dune, which uh, is the one that I chose to fight with you about, Christian, as opposed to... Well, okay, look, Denis Villeneuve for Dune is not going to win. So, (laughs) it's going to be... For shame, Christian. (laughs) It's going to be either Steve McQueen, 12 Years a Slave, or Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. So, no love for Robert Zemeckis, once again, Christian. (laughs) It was a nice movie. (laughs) That I think has not aged the best. Well, there there are certainly moments in that movie that have a outright aged like milk, uh, and that they are not fun to rewatch, not fun to revisit. That's for sure. Um, I and I know that part of I mean why I picked Bob Zemeckis is because this blending of live action and animation. Did you just call him Bob. Everyone calls him Bob Zemeckis. Do you know him? We we play bridge on Sundays, Christian. The, these you two. You play bridge. <laughs> This blending of live-action animation that wasn't completely unprecedented, but uh, obviously Who Framed Roger Rabbit was huge for that particular style of movie. And again, with this degree of difficulty is what I wanted to credit him for, because for as much of that movie that has not aged well, there's a lot of it that has aged well. And that still looks good. And it's a, a type of movie that I wish we got more of. Obviously, I have a special connection to those Looney Tunes movies that we covered in that month, too. So I'm okay with him not winning. wanted to include him on our list of best directorial performances. Steve McQueen and Bong Joon-ho, I spoke about both of them at length already on this episode and uh, on our original reviews of those movies. Um, I, I gotta say, Villeneuve was Dune, like, I included him over Arrival because I think Arrival is incredible, but uh, Dune was uh, an even bigger risk to me and I managed to be pulled it off. Uh, whatever you think, Christian, so shout out to our guy. I think it should be Steve McQueen. You think it should be Steve McQueen? And I'm not actually going to fight you on this at all, Christian, but speak on it a little bit more. He has a way of leaving the camera on someone's face and just letting you suffer alongside them. Well, it's it's not even... I, I don't know why you said the word suffer, but 
You can't turn away from the horrors that have occurred. You cannot, he does not let you. And he's a very patient filmmaker. I mean, one of the scenes I remember most from Mangrove, a movie that we both really enjoyed last year, was when the colander is just spinning around and the camera just rests there. And the, I didn't know you were bringing up Mangrove, and you mentioned how he's a patient filmmaker, and that was the shot that was in my mind. <laughs> so it, it's it, it's that idea of this movie will go at his pace. It will go at his pace so that as he is ready to let this character breathe or continue to suffocate, you will breathe or continue to suffocate. McQueen is a... I haven't seen all of his films, though I'd, I'd like to someday, but from what I have seen, he's a very confrontational filmmaker. And I think a lot of times we think of someone like Spike Lee as very confrontational, because of course he's very didactic, he loves to call out the theme that he's working with, or the idea that he's getting at, and just make it very plain so you understand. I mean, you can think of that as sequence in Do the Right Thing that came back in 25th Hour, where he is having people facing the camera, shouting off racial epithets and slurs, and going off at, at other racial or ethnic groups. Uh, where you can understand he's calling out the divisions that can come because of these these um, differences in us. And McQueen is confrontational in a different way. And I think the moment from 12 Years a Slave that will live in my mind forever is the moment late in the movie where Solomon just turns his... He's looking off into the distance and turns his gaze into the camera. And like you said, McQueen is patient and lingers on uh, Geovar's face. It's a great moment of acting as he manages to create kind of create meaning in this moment from his performance but McQueen knows to hold on his face and it's a moment that has stayed with me because of how it implicates the viewer and it confronts you I mean because it's asking your you know basically asking your thoughts on this film and what you think about Northup's life and and how you know how have you contributed to to harm your fellow man what have you done you 21st century human that this is a person who lived in the 1800s and the, man, the way that he managed to challenge with that movie, I think, is part of why it was such a crowning achievement, aside from everything else that went right about it, from the historical recreations and, uh, and just the general good movie making. But like you said, that patient cinema it is so well handled, and it's never boring, despite how slow it can be. Um, and those moments of confrontation, I think, where it's not just the characters, but the queen and the viewer, I think it, it's just some of the finest cinema that we watched this year. So I'm perfectly fine with awarding the queen our Best Director Award. Um, Christian, you mentioned at the beginning of this category that I did this to hurt you. Alejandro Gonzalez Unirito is not in these nominees. He's not. <laughs> he really is not. And the reason I did that, and this is my justification that I told you, and you begrudgingly accepted it so that we wouldn't fight too much, is that I, in a weird sort of way, actually, if we had a Best Cinematography Award, we kind of, I, that's where I would want to shout this movie out, where Emmanuel yeah. Lubezki is like the MVP Look, okay. of that movie to me. But this is, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> This is the point where you need to decide, and we're not going to have this discussion here, but you need to decide whether the movement of the camera is something that the cinematographer is in charge of or something that the director is in charge of. The color gradient is definitely the cinematographer. They are in charge of how well that movie looks color-wise, color scheme. However, when the camera is doing the one -er, I find it hard to believe Evno Lubezki was the one who said, let's do this as a one -er. Oh, I absolutely not. Like, I know from, from its conception, I'm sure that was Yuri's idea. Yes. Yeah. But he got the right collaborator for it. And Lubezki is one of the greatest cinematographers you're, of okay, recent memory. But so. you're also, and, and it's beautifully shot, but it's also like, are you shouting out Emmanuel Lubezki as a cinematographer or whoever the camera operator was that day? So I have quibbles with your quibbles. I mean, you could say the same thing about, oh, are you shouting out the director or are you shouting out the composer who made the not, music that made you feel that way? Not, the writer who 
wrote those characters okay. that way. You know, like, but we can always re- quibble okay. with that. But Eat Your Ritu, I think, is the one who decided where the camera was going to go, and Lubeski was the one who made that smooth. That's where I'm going to go with that. I, to my understanding of what a director of photography does, I think it... I, I understand the distinction you're trying to make, but I think it limits the impact of the cinematography. I love that this would not have occurred without Lubeski. I'm just saying we shouldn't limit the director in having a voice in that. We're going to move on to Best Picture. <laughs> That's right. So we can continue this argument. So we, the way that we put together our Best Picture list is we... Each just kind of took a crack at the movies that we um, deeply enjoyed from this year. Typically, movies that when you know when we put them on Letterbox, they were four and a half or five stars, or just movies that have lived with us and were clearly the best of the best from what we watched this year. So the nominees are Tom and Jerry. All right, if you were listening, I got gotcha. you. Resident just Evil, kidding. Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> yeah, of Tom and Jerry, um, much love to you, but you whenever you're receiving any awards this merry evening, the yeah, nominees are Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. West Side Story, Parasite, American Graffiti, The Prestige, which uh, has not really come up thus far, so hopefully we can show Christian you Bale. love. Christian Bale, yeah. Gone Girl, Arrival, 12 Years a Slave, and Anson D. Uh, I was going to include movies like, again, Dune and Halloween, but I know that you would push back on those, and so beloved for me, not so for you. So we really did try to make this list a synthesis of our favorites from this year. Um, Christian, I mentioned The Prestige. We didn't really talk about it too much on this episode thus far, but uh, just a, a classic of Nolan's, one that we both love. Christian Bale's performance, obviously, uh, quite memorable from that movie. And again, another twisty screenplay from Nolan that I think works well. Um, as you look at this list, are there are there any clear you know demarcations, clear distinctions? Is there like a B list for you, and then the A list, and the winner, or... As you look at this, is it is it a tough choice? I think that the best picture winners are a cut above the rest. In terms of that, you mean the specific blend of the month that we did? Those um, three movies? Well, no, the four, like West Side Story included, I oh, think okay. are above the rest. And then I would put right... I mean, American Graffiti I love. I actually would maybe even include that in that echelon, but there's something about where every single part of the movie is clicking together. Now, let's let's just get this out of the way. I'm here to throw a tantrum. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I've been waiting for it all year, and the time has finally come. I would like Birdman to win Best Picture. I bet you would, wouldn't you? And I have been very nice. And I have been very cordial. <laughs> and you are currently in my apartment drinking my rum. That's true. I sure am. This is a, this is a game that you've been at for a while, Christian. I will tell you, listeners, that... Even behind the scenes, when we were discussing previous blends of the month, when Christian didn't like the way that I was going, he said, I gotta save this. I will be nice so I can save all my energy for the end of the year. And I'm here to tell you, Christian, uh, Birdman is, is quite a good movie. I think yeah. a lot yeah. of people are, are wrong when they say it's bad. I think it, it is quite good. It's a very fun choice for a best You don't show. understand, I think. I don't really think you're understanding the levels to which... I will go for this movie. We have we have been awarding left and right. Yeah. We have most of the well. Let's see. What's that story has an award? We we gave each category to a different movie. Parasite has an award. American Graffiti does not. The Prestige does not. Gone Girl does not. Arrival does. Twelve Years a Slave does. Ansandi does not. But that's okay. 
I I am here to fight. And look, I am here to listen <laughs> to arguments. I am here to listen to arguments. But I think that the look, it's not like this is a th- not even it's not even a three and a, it's not even a four star movie for you. This is a four and a half star movie for you. It's true. It's true. And it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> ah, yes, of course. That's that little detail. And it's not Doing like we've you. been front-loading Birdman. I've played this all wrong. I should have given you more Birdman awards. <laughs> You've given me zero. <laughs> we haven't been front-loading Birdman. We have recognized these movies. Yes, your number one movie, Parasite, is a masterpiece and deserves to be recognized and is instantly rewatchable. 12 Years a Slave, your number two movie, shows such beauty and art form in the directing. Your number three movie, what was it, Dune? Dune yes. we spoke about in terms of Denis Villeneuve and your number four movie, Arrival, because he is very good at crafting strong female characters and not only that, increasing the epic scale. Your number five movie, Halloween, okay, we haven't discussed it. It's not anywhere you're, on here. You're wrong about that movie, Christian, but I digress. Look... I want to add Birdman to this pantheon. I bet you do. Mm-hmm. I bet you do. So, the problem, Christian, that we're facing right now is that, of course, well, there are multiple problems. Uh, one being that I may not make it out of this apartment alive if I continue down this path, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the other problem being Birdman has not received an award this very evening. So could we give a movie the best picture without it have already you know having another award to its name? It has we many were, nominations. Many nominations. This is true. We're very spread out with our awards, and I will give it that. But I think the biggest problem for me, and and I think for actually let me reframe this: for when you're thinking about movies you love mm-hmm. and your estimations of a movie, you think about how that movie leaves you feeling. Whether it's a movie that makes you feel the same every time you watch it. And it's Christmas. So many Christmas movies are like this. Where you look forward to watching it all year long. You throw an elf with the family. And you laugh at Will Ferrell. And have a good time. Because it's going to make you feel warm and fuzzy. And you're going to spread Christmas cheer. You have movies like I've gone on at length about. Like Arrival. Or 12 Years a Slave. These movies that increased on estimation when I came to them. My problem with awarding Birdman the Best Picture Award for our, our shared list... I want to fault you for it being your personal choice, but for our shared list is that it's a movie that decreased in my estimations, and I was slightly disappointed when I watched it again because I was hoping for that same five-star. You have only seen this movie twice. Yes, which is also unfair. What? Then, because (laughs) you're like you have rewatched Arrival more than twice. No, it's only twice. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look. Performances, out the wazoo. Cinematography, phenomenal. Fine. I believe that the directing and the uh, screenplay are breaking I, new ground. I won't breaking new ground. You say I was gonna I was gonna go on a tangent about how I don't fault Andrew to anything, but breaking new ground. You mean you mean to say for okay? Look, Wanners are not popular. Everyone likes to make fun of Wanners, and certain scenes are Wanners, but it is difficult to do a Wanner. Like, this is the thing. People make fun of it all the time. They're like, oh, this is just athletic filmmaking. But look, sit down, write it, and film it. 
it is difficult to piece those two together. So if we talk about your degree of difficulty, which you've brought up several times, uh, yes. this is where that fits in. Outside of that, uh, look, it means a lot to me. <laughs> and I would not be here without it. If I, we had singing in the rain in here, sure, you know, I could understand the fight. Just throw in singing in the rain next year so that it can win. <laughs> We'll have a we'll have an early in the year January February we'll do a blend of the month about Scott's uh, pick for best picture of the year I'll do Saint in the Rain Citizen Kane Citizen Kane <laughs> think about La La Land Grand Budapest Hotel we'll see look <laughs> the tension in this room right now is palpable we're both we're both trying to wrap the episode get on with our 2021 celebrate the end of the year but. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. a barrier in the way. Christian, I, I'm going to ask you something. Mm -hmm. Can Birdman be your favorite movie of the year, but not our shared best picture winner? No. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, I, I've, I've already spoken about my problems with that movie, and I would feel bad about awarding it best picture when I had more rapturous experiences with movies that we covered on the show this year. I want a movie... That causes me to strong arm a friend. And you're referring to Birdman, and I'm the friend. <laughs> yes. Don't you want a movie that makes you fight for it? I fight for things all the time, and the fruits of my labor are getting bodied by your roommates on this podcast when they come in with their bad MCU takes, or getting shown up on the Hollywood Week podcast when we talk about our hot takes in cinema. Or I get made fun of all the time for my choices, for blends of the month, because I'm trying to have fun with it, and you throw in some wonky movies that could go either way. The past six months, I've been respectful to you. That's <laughs> true, Christian. You sure have. But look, I, again, and I think, rather than making it about what Bergman is not, it's, it's just hard to award it as opposed to, I mean, again, in that blend of the month, it's my third favorite movie of three. Because both Parasite and Twelve Years a Slave are a step above. It is my favorite movie of those three. <laughs> but this is our shared podcast and our shared list. And we have shared the rest! <laughs> I told you you could have category after category! I'm just trying to figure out a way. I'm trying to solve the puzzle, flip the sides of the Rubik's Cube together, and figure out the one way... How does this hurt you? ...that I can get out this hurts you in no way, my, shape, or form. My, my pride, Christian, my ethics as a, as a podcaster. <laughs> and I will deal with the fallout. I, oh boy, I really thought that we were going to be, we had a time limit that we agreed on. We're past it. <laughs> Look, last year it was between Do the Right Thing and what was the, you, you oh, the social network. Yeah. yeah. Here, it's just Birdman. Me. Last year, this whole list you got you got one answer. I had one answer. There's no other movie that's even in contention for you. Favorite movie, be damned. Nothing else could you would walk away accepting that it was the award winner. I would not have switched my major from engineering if it had not been for Birdman. <laughs> I would still be out there doing proofs and making circuits. Oh my. What to do, what to do. <laughs> well, not proofs. Engineers don't do proofs. I would still be making circuits, man, and learning about the nervous system. Man, listeners, if you're still with us at this point, you haven't just skipped ahead 30 seconds a few times to see what we end up picking, I feel for you. And, and I want for you to feel 
feel my agony through this microphone because I'm in a very real conundrum where I, I can't leave. I mean, even in how we sit, Christian's closer you to the door. You can leave, and I will make the decision. <laughs> I'll just get up and walk away. Goodbye. Go eat dinner with my wife and, and wash my hands of this like Pontius Pilate sending Jesus to the cross. Oh, Christian. You really came in here just prepared to to forcibly strong arm me into saying that Birdman's the best picture that we covered on this movie. It was the only category I cared about. I know it was. I really know it was. You were much too nice. I should have caught on. And actually, I did. <laughs> so, The Prestige. <laughs> what do we do, Christian? I, I, I can't consent to Birdman being the winner over Parasite, over 12 Years a Slave, even over, say... I can't consent to Parasite or 12 Years a Slave being the winner over Birdman. But it's, you, you it's can't not... separate favorite from from shared best? We're, we're two no, here. I can't, because it's not like you're out here... You're, you're, it's not like you're out here saying that when Parasite came out, you decided to marry Maddie. Well... Uh, to be fair, I was already married to Maddie when Parasite came out. Oh, you have no argument! Christian, here's my argument. I'll give it to you right now. You made fun of me. You, In fact, you mocked me when Parasite wasn't on my top ten list of that year. And now, it's one of my favorite movies of recent memory and of that year. It's my favorite movie we covered on the podcast this year. Could we not elect Parasite the best picture? It's not my favorite movie of all time. You had your chance in 2019! And I've become a better man since then. And I have and become a better man who says Alejandro Gonzalez in Uritu, who you snubbed and disliked the screenplay for nomination. Look. I, which I, I explained quite clearly. My and I'm explaining why I am still here with Birdman. Look, I have a movie reservation. Christian keeps darting his eyes over. You have a, you're going to see a movie tonight? Yes. What? I'm going to go see Being the Ricardos. <laughs> what time? Nine. Oh my gosh, so you got an hour. <laughs> well, hour and a half, previews. Good grief. <sighs> you won't you won't you won't budge. No. So what do we do? You accept that Birdman is the winner. What if I can't do that, Christian? Then Birdman is the winner. And we come it, back on it January seventh. Like we'll have a we'll have a hung jury, so there's no best picture winner for, for twenty twenty one in Cinema Drip. How about that? Um no voice memo. And guys, we elected Birdman as the winner. So, oh my gosh. Can we just give it to Tom and Jerry and call it a year? A little tempted. But <laughs> no. Um, this is um, a little bit frustrating because I feel like I've been pretty reasonable. And, and, why and I have not? These past categories? Win for this? Uh, I've been. I even tried to appeal Look, to, to your sentimentality for other you, movies. You're, okay, have a your number with. one is Parasite. You want Parasite to win. My number one is Birdman. Here's the thing: you want Parasite to win this much, and I want Birdman to win this much. Christian stood up, friends. He stood up. And I am taller than you. And he's taller than me. Well, uh, look, I would be okay if multiple movies from this slate of nominations won the award because, as much as I still like and love, I mean, love and appreciate Birdman, it just it was the best picture. I have. I came up with problems. We will. Okay. Okay. As long as we say that 1.0 winner is Birdman and 2.0 winner is Parasite. What do you mean one? Are we having versions of this list? No. Is no, there no, going to no. be an update for the software for this list? The winner of the best picture can be two movies. As long as we say that the first place winner was Birdman. 
I'll give it to you because of alphabetical order and nothing else, Christian. There we go. Therefore, so, the best picture winner is Birdman. And, or the unexpected virtue of ignorance. And Parasite, or Parasite. <laughs> Uh, so we're walking away with, with a joint, I, I, I guess a tie. And a tie is acceptable in a situation like this. Yes? Yes? I'm still upset about it. Okay. Well, you're certainly entitled to be. This is the... You should have seen this car crash coming. Look, look. There was no way we were going to leave here without very many winning best picture. I, 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 I knew this. It troubled my spirit for months, Christian. Uh, now that this episode is out of the way, I might be able to sleep again at night. I'll get off my medications... Uh, you know, I, I'll be a healthier man now that I don't have to fear this conversation anymore. And I can't wait to do Scott's favorite movie, Blend of the Month, next year, so I can force it upon you in December when we return to our Jeff East 2022. Yeah, and we won't be discussing Birdman. <laughs> okay. So there you have it, folks. Our Best Picture winners for 2021 at the Drippies in a tie, alphabetically, so one can be first. It's Birdman and Parasite from our 2010's Best Picture winners, Blend of the Month. Christian... Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're still friends. A quick recap of our awards for this year. For Best Supporting Actor... Jason we, Miller. Yes, Jason Miller for The Exorcist. For Best Supporting Actress. Rita Moreno for West Side Story. For Best Actor. Yeah, you can do that one. Edward James Olmos for Zoot Suit. Uh, for Best Actress. You can do that one. Amy Adams for Arrival. Our Best Screenplay was... Uh, Memento from Christopher Nolan. Our Best Director was... It was Steve McQueen for Total Use of Slave. And again, best picture, as you know, from that ridiculous conversation we just endured. Birdman uh, in, in the 1A slot and Parasite in the 1B slot. Yes. As, as, our, as our joint winners there. Christian, good grief. This episode is over. <laughs> the drippies are done. And listeners, if you agree or disagree with our takes, especially if you think that we just got it flat out wrong in one category, and I'm not asking for your take on any particular category. I just mean if you had someone you would have picked for performances or for screenplay, or if you had a best picture, we'd love to know your feedback at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. I checked the email before the episode. We had nothing new come in, so listeners, you had no chance to, to share your thoughts on this, but we would love to share some of your feedback on our next episode. So that would be cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of next episode, Christian, when will that be? Uh, it'll drop January 7th, and it's going to be our top movies of 2021. That is right. We will be going on a short Christmas break, as we did last year. We'll be taking the next couple of weeks off to spend some time with friends and family and celebrate the holidays. And then we will be back with the new year to kick off, uh, or I guess to share our personal top 10 lists of the year, uh, which was a pretty fun episode last year. And hopefully we can share some more listener feedback, maybe get some insight from our friends like Paul Yoder, Paul Gonzalez, the Color Brothers, Braxton Cody, Emily, our homie for horror movies every time. Um, would love to get some of their thoughts and some of your thoughts, listeners, and we will feature that January 7th when we are back. A couple other quick things you can do to support the show, which if you've reached this point in the episode, good grief, you're supporting the show. I just combined good gravy and good grief. I'm tired. i got to stop recording this, Christian. You can please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it helps us grow and reach new listeners, and we appreciate the support. You can also leave us a rating and a review if your podcatcher allows, which, of course, Apple Podcasts typically, uh, where you can rate and review, so that would be excellent if you could do it. We'd love to read those reviews on the show. Again, if you have any feedback for us, we would appreciate your thoughts on blends of the month that you would like covered or movies you want us to discuss, and that's at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. And do follow Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we are rating and reviewing the things we're watching. And with all of these new movies coming out, we're keeping our 2021 ratings up to date, getting them all out there, making sure that we are ready to roll for January 7th. So, 
We'd love to follow you there. You can also follow the show on Twitter and myself and Christian on Instagram. Christian, that's it for Cinema Drip 2021. Do you have any final conclusive thoughts for the listeners at home? I'm hungry. Christian's hungry, folks, and so am I, so we got to go. Until 2022, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.